Hi, my name's Paul Grogan and welcome to episode 21 of the all-new Gaming Rules podcast. This episode is an audio version of the live Q&A that went out at the end of May 2022. A huge thank you to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. And if you like the content that I create and you want to support the channel directly, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. And now, on with the show. We are live. Good evening, everybody. Good afternoon or good morning, wherever you are in the world. And as always with these live streams, please let us know if you can hear me and you can see me okay. I'm waiting on the thumbs up from Vicky to make sure everything is going fine. But yes, welcome to the live Q&A for, what month are we in? May. May 2022. Now, I've already done a live Q&A this month. Um, I did one at the start of this month, which was actually April's live Q&A um because covid affected april for me so um yeah this is the second live q a for may but this is the official one as always we will be going through uh, all of the questions that i've been asked in advance on the bgg guild so thank you very much to everybody who's asked questions in advance we're going to be doing another 50 pounds giveaway for 50 pounds worth of game vouchers thank you very much to the 92 people that entered last month's contest the draw has been done earlier on today uh and jill uh congratulations jill you won and Jill is going to be at UK Games Expo. So you can actually collect your, uh, well, whatever. You get £50 worth of vouchers at the Games Law Stand at UK Games Expo. So we'll be talking about the, the contest later on. But the first thing is um, we're going to be doing the giveaway. Uh, not the giveaway, the, the questions. That's it. We're going to be doing the questions. So let's go to all of the questions that I've been asked so far on the BGG Guild. So for those of you who are watching who don't know, I have a guild over at Board Game Geek. It's guild number 2258. Uh, Vicky's gonna put a link in the chat now. If you're not a member of the guild, and I say this every month, I've been saying this for a couple of years, uh, please go along, sign up, and turn on the notifications. Uh, there isn't much activity on the guild, but I do post the occasional thing there, uh, and you can join in the conversations, including questions in advance. Um, you can just put thingy guild, and it should come up with it. Right. So the first question is from Mick. Thank you very much, Mick, for your for your questions. Um, he's asked about board games a number of times, but he's asking whether I play traditional card games at all. Uh, and he said, such as 25, 45, like 25, but bidding for tricks, Whist, Bridge, and so on. And if so, what do I think of them? Uh, easy answer to that, I don't play any of them. Now, um, when I was a kid, I remember the days on a Sunday evening, my parents used to have um, a couple of friends over, um and we used to play they used to play cards so it used to be card night every sunday night um at my house and this this is going back to the sort of late 70s because uh, we used to play for half p and canasta uh was played uh, and also what was that game that we played the other day find the lady we called it queenie um so i have a memory of playing these uh, traditional card games when i was a lot a lot younger um, but nowadays I don't play any of them. So I don't play, I've never played Bridge. I think I've played Whist once. Um, but 25 and 45 I've never actually heard of. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't play any of those. Um, don't play any of those. The frame rate is choppy. I don't, I don't know why the frame rate is choppy. It, it shouldn't be. Um, I mean, I'm using, I'm using the, the fancy camera, the one that I use for all of the live playthroughs. So I don't know why. We did have this problem last time. So I don't know, yeah, I, I don't know what the issue is. We can do some tests. Um, 
Yeah, same as last time. Okay, so I'll do some tests between now and next time. I don't know what the difference is, but I'm using exactly the same camera as I used for the for the live streams, uh, and they seem they seem okay. So Jolie's saying it's fine there, but you're saying you've got a problem there. Yeah. Okay. Well, it, it's not clear, and it should be clear. Um, and I'm watching it back here, and it does look a little choppy here, which is unusual because I should be streaming at uh, 60 FPS. But anyway. Right, we'll move, we'll move on. Um, but Mickey's asking that question because he's played Wizard recently. Now, I think I've played Wizard once, um, but that is essentially a card game with a standard deck plus a few extra cards. And he said he was struck by how good the games are, especially when you add in a bidding element. So, yeah, interesting question for those of you watching this. Or if you're watching this back afterwards, if you want to leave us a comment, do you play any traditional card games? Whist, Bridge, or uh, anything like that? And do you play them because you feel that they are as good as playing a board game, or that it's a, it's a separate thing entirely. Right, next question from Mick is, he said, I was asked this last month, um, but he's forgotten the answer. Am I planning to play Paladin's Oath on the channel? So, Paladin's Oath is a computer game that you can get on Steam, which is basically Mage Knight. Now, I have been sent a Steam key for it, because uh, as many of you know, I was involved in the Mage Knight game quite a lot, and it is my number one game. Um, however, Paladin's Oath is basically a copy of Mage Knight, but it's not an officially licensed Mage Knight game. So all of the names have changed, everything about it has changed, but it is essentially the same game. And because I have a professional working relationship with WizKids, who are the publisher uh, of Mage Knight, although no trademarks or intellectual property has been, you know, there's nothing illegal about Paladin's Oath. Um, but yeah, it is essentially a copy of the game. So I'd feel a little bit uncomfortable about doing a public stream of it. Um, Mick is also suggesting maybe I'll do a Patreon-only stream, which could be a possibility. I could do a Patreon-only stream. Um, and I have loaded up the game, but unfortunately it just arrived at a time where I've just got too much going on and I didn't have time to actually invest into, into learning the interface. Uh, next question is from Graham. How am I feeling? Am I all COVID symptom-free? Yes, thankfully... I no longer have any COVID symptoms. Uh, both me and Vicky had COVID in April and it did take us a while afterwards to recover from it. But I think both of us now have got rid of that completely. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much for asking, Graham, and I hope you're doing okay as well. Next question is an interesting one. This is from Gavin Kenny. Gavin asks, what are my best guesses for who will win the Spiel des Jahres, or what will win the Spiel des Jahres and the Kenner Spiel des Jahres this year? And to be honest, Gavin, I didn't even know what had been nominated. I've been so focused on all of my other projects and work at the moment that I didn't really know. So I've looked it up. And for those of you who don't know, uh, the Spiel des Jahres nominees this year are Cascadia, which I've heard of, Scout, which I've never heard of, and Top 10, which I've never heard of. So as for my best guess of which of those will win, I've actually no idea at the moment because I've never heard of two of them until today. As far as the Kennerspiel goes... Uh, Cryptid, which I thought was unusual to be on the list because Cryptid has been out a few years, but the, the Spiel des Jahres award are basically based on the year that it's released in Germany. So I presume that there is a German version of Cryptid that's been released in the last few months. Dune Imperium, that I've not played yet, um, and Living Forest, which I hadn't heard of. So out of those, I'm expecting... I, I don't know anything about Living Forest, but out of those, I expect Dune Imperium to win. Um, I think Dune Imperium is a massively popular game and I hear people talking about it all the time. Cryptid is okay, but 
for a Kennespiel des Jahres, I'm thinking June Imperium. But as I say, I don't know anything about living, living forest. Out of the first three, I'm curious to know. What do you think who are watching this live in the chat? Cascadia, Scout or Top 10? As I say, I can't really say because I've only heard of one of them. Next question from Brian. Uh, which game has disappointed me in the last year or so? And how would have I improved it? Now, that is a really interesting question, Brian. And you might be disappointed by my answer. Because what I did is I actually looked up uh, on BGG all of the games that I've played in the last nine months. And I ran a quick report of all of the games I've played in the last nine months. And I looked through that list and I was like, which ones of these did I not like? Now, you're saying which ones of wise was I most disappointed by? And I tried to take your question literally. So disappointed as in, not that I just didn't like it, but maybe I was expecting to like it and I, I didn't like it or I was underwhelmed by it or anything like that. And there's actually a, there was actually quite a few. So if I look at the list of games that I've played in the last nine months, there was quite a few on there that I was disappointed by. Now, the reason why I'm not going to be able to answer it is some of those games were sponsored videos. So it is true that some of the games that I've covered on the channel, which publishers asked me to cover uh, in order to help promote their game, I ended up not liking. Now, when I do those sponsored playthroughs, my job is to show you how the game plays and to teach you how to the play the game and let you make your own decision. I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, this game was great, you need to go and buy it. And I'm also not going to say, oh, I really didn't enjoy this because if the publisher has, has, has sponsored the video, has paid for it, then I'm not going to sit there and say, I really didn't like this game. Um, so yeah, so unfortunately, a number of the ones that I covered, I was disappointed by. But as far as non-sponsored games go, looking through the list, there is one that sprang to mind. And I'm going to lose a lot of friends by saying this, but the new Lord of the Rings living card game, I was massively disappointed by. And that is because I went into it with a wrong expectation. I thought that it was going to be a kind of second edition of the game. And I thought that they were going to fix some of the problems that I think the game has. Now, I know the game is hugely popular and I know the game has a lot of fans and I know a lot of people who love the game don't think it's got any problems whatsoever. I personally believe that the game has some fundamental issues and I was hoping that the new edition of the game would fix those issues. However, it didn't. All it was was a, a repackaging reprint using Fantasy Flight Games' new LCG model, which basically means you get three of every card in the core set, uh, rather than you having to buy multiple core sets. And now I, I fully agree with this new model. Uh, and like for Arkham Horror, instead of them releasing six packs, they're just releasing, here's the Investigator pack, and here's the Campaign pack. And I, and I totally agree with that, and I think it's a much better way of doing it. But the Lord of the Rings LCG, I was hoping for some rules changes, um, and there was none. It was literally just a direct reprint. In fact, I actually think they made it worse because in the original game, if you just buy the starter set, you build these pre-constructed decks. And these pre-constructed decks say, use all of the cards numbered, whatever to whatever. And because you, some of the cards you only got two of and other cards you only got one of, what you ended up with, the 40, you, you ended up with a 40 card deck with certain cards, there was only one of in there, right? With the new box set, you end up with three of every card. But the rules for making your starter deck say, use all of the cards numbered from A to B. It's exactly the same wording. So what you end up with is you end up with a really big fat deck 
which I believe is one of the fundamental problems of the game. Um, but you also end up with three of certain cards that you would not want three of that card in your deck. Um, I've talked about the, the Lord of the Rings LCG, and I, and I won't go into too much detail here, but yeah, I was disappointed by it. Um, next up, which biscuit has disappointed you, and how would have I improved it? Now, a week ago, I probably wouldn't have been able to answer that question, because I quite like biscuits. However, Vicky went shopping on Saturday to, was it Aldi or Home Bargains? For the Jaffa things. Aldi, right. So, had people over on Saturday, and we were filming the Batman video, uh, and Vicky went shopping to Aldi, and very, very nice of her, but Vicky saw these Jaffa cake, what were they? They were like Cherry Bakewell style things, but it was advertised as Jaffa little cakes and everything else with a, with a tangy orange interior. Anyway, they had no taste whatsoever. Literally nothing. It just, it was like eating, well, imagine, imagine a Cherry Bakewell, the, the sort of pastry with just the pastry. Even the topping didn't have any taste either. So yeah, very disappointed by those. Don't buy those if you see them in Aldi. Um, and final question from Brian, what new flavour of Jaffa cake would you like to see? Now, I love lychees. I don't know whether it would work as a Jaffa cake. Vicky's pulling the, the strangest face I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, so we'll try it. We'll see if it works. Because I love cherries, but cherry Jaffa cakes don't work. It's really weird because I love cherries. I love everything cherry flavoured, but cherry flavoured Jaffa cakes don't work for me. Right, next question. Uh, this is from Corey. He said he found 2021 to be a fantastic year for games with over 30 games that were released in 2021 that are in the BGG top 1000 and close to another 50 games between 1000 and 2000 and he hasn't come close to playing 25% of them. What percentage of 2021 releases have I played? I've no idea. Um, the only way I'd find that is by running a list from BGG of all of the games released in 2021 which is probably about 4000 and going through them. So I don't actually know what percentage of games were released in 2021 uh, that I have played. It would probably be easier for me to go through just the ones that I have played and then work out, yeah, that would probably have been better. So how many games released in 2021 have I played? 20? Maybe 25? What's that as a percentage? 1%? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm curious to know the answer to this. So if anybody is able to take my BGG profile and, and, and work out what percentage of games were released in 2021 have I played, then I am curious uh, to know what the answer is. Um, but he's saying, are there any games that I am still wanting to try? Lots. And some of them I actually have. So uh, Cascadia, for example, which has been mentioned earlier on. I have heard of Cascadia. I, I, I would like to try it. I'm not desperate to try it, but I would like to see it. Um, Mortem from Arcane Wonders, I have a copy of. I got a copy at Essen. I'm really keen to try it, but I've not played it yet. Uh, Coffee Traders is half on my list and half not on my list. It's a big, expensive, heavy game, which I have been told by both of the designers has a terrible rulebook. So I'm kind of curious to see what the game's about, but I don't want to have to read the rulebook. Um, Arkwright, the card game, I have a copy of. I am very keen to try that. Not got around to it yet. Uh, uh, Hippocrates from Game Brewer. I looked at that and I'm, I, I haven't tried it. I haven't got a copy. Uh, Gutenberg I was interested in. Parks looks interesting. And Mind Management. They are just some that I've been through. I basically went through the Essen release list from last year 
and I picked out a few which I'm potentially interested in. But I'll tell you what, out of all of those, the only ones which I am really going to go out of my way to play are Mortem and Arkwright the Card Game, because I have a copy and I haven't got around to playing them yet. Uh, Corey's final question is, I've said a few times that Bitoku is the front runner for best game of 2021. Yes, at the moment, Bitoku is my favourite game of 2021. He's wondering if I could give a teaser of what other games might might see in the top 10 list. I think my top four is probably relatively easy. Um, it's Ark Nova, Boon Lake, Imperial Steam and Bitoku. And I'm not sure of the order of those yet. Um, I'm pretty sure Bitoku is my number one. But Imperial Steam is really good. Ark Nova is fantastic. Boon Lake is also really good and I haven't played it much. I do need to look at the rest of the games from 2021 because like previous years, I might actually struggle to make a 10. I could probably give you like my top four games of last year, but if I was to pick 10, I might be tricky. Um, next question is from Radek. Uh, how, many, how am I feeling? Thank you very much for asking. I won't answer it though. Um, how many games are there that I, that I like a lot and I would, would like to play but I don't have time due to time constraints. Dozens, literally dozens and dozens of games. If I was to go through my whole entire collection and list all of the games that I am really, really wanting to play, it would literally be dozens of them. Um, and it is, it is just fact, it is just time. And I know a lot of you watching this think, well, hang on a minute, Paul, don't you like work full time in games? Don't, aren't you playing games like all day, every day? You know, most of you have to get up and go to work every morning. Uh, and well, for me, it's the same. I have to go up and get up and go to work. Thankfully, my journey to work is about 10 feet, um, but I, I still have a main day job, which is involved in games. So I don't have as much time playing games as I would like. Out of the ones which I have, here's just a few uh, that I'm going to tell you. If I had more time, I would be playing these a lot. Too Many Bones, Cloud Spire, Burn Cycle, Star Wars Rebellion, because I played it once the other day and I really want to play it three, four, five more times. Uh, Arkham Horror, the LTG, I want to play that twice as much as I do. Well, at the moment, I'm not playing it at all. Um, Batman Gotham City Chronicles, after recently falling in love with the game and really getting to know it, I want to play that a lot more. Mage Knight, obviously, because it's the best game ever. Marvel Champions LCG, love the game, just don't get a chance to play it. So yeah, there are literally dozens of games where I don't have enough time to play them, but I would love to. Uh, next question from Zodtan, and this is, this is a good question. What are my thoughts on catch-up mechanisms in games. Um, he always thinks that it's an irrational game design to make up for the losing player. Uh, and are you missing out on any logic behind it? Yes. So here's the thing. Um, there are certain games where if they don't have some kind of catch-up mechanism, basically whoever gets ahead at the start of the game has won. Some, some games, not all games, but there are certain games like the original version of Maharaja. So there's a new version of Maharaja by Cranio Creations, but the original version of Maharaja, which I've got, is a very low look game. And unfortunately, it has the downside that in the first two or three rounds, if one player gets ahead, because of the low look element, there's almost nothing you can do about it. And the problem with those games is you are a quarter or a third of the way through the game and there's nothing you can do. Now, Catch-up mechanisms, my, my opinion on them, it depends how it's done. So, for example, if you have a game where the turn order, each round, let's say Power Grid, okay? And I think Power Grid does this well. 
the turn order for the next round is based on the current victory points of the player or some, something like that. Maybe Power Grid doesn't do it, but there's definitely something where whoever is, is not doing particularly well or whoever's last in terms of victory points will go first the next round if that's an advantage or they will go last next round. Things like that. I don't view that. I mean, it is a catch-up mechanism, but it isn't a forced catch-up mechanism. It's basically, look, we, we need some way of determining what order the players are going to go in. And in this game, going last is better. Therefore, turn order is determined by the current victory points. That is a, that is a very nice way. Uh, and that personally is the way that I think it should be. Other types of catch-up mechanisms, and, I, and I, I've not played that many, but there was definitely one that I played, and I can't remember what it was, where it did feel forced. It was like, oh, at the end of the round, the player currently in last rolls a dice and gains that many victory points. No, that that is, in my opinion, that's a bad design, forcing it in that way. Um, but yeah, I, I think certainly some games do require some kind of catch-up mechanism. Otherwise, as I say... Um, it can, uh, it can be a runaway leader issue. Next question from Casey. In my opinion, what do I consider is the best dedicated two-player game that I've ever played? Now, every so often, a question comes in in the live Q&A, which I think would make a good question on the guild. So I was going to ask Chrissy, and Chrissy has just turned up, so thank you very much, Chrissy. Um, when you get settled, and there's no rush on this, but could you turn that into a question? So it is a question from Casey Tucker, and it is, in my opinion, what do I consider the best dedicated two-player game that you've uh, that I've ever played? So uh, if you want to join in on this question, the question will be appearing on the BGG Guild at some point. Chrissy, let us know when you've done it. Um, but yeah, what is the best dedicated two-player game that you've ever played? This is in terms of complexity and player versus player intellectual sparring. And if you're watching this live, feel free to put your messages in the chat now. Um, but it is going to be a question on the BGG Guild. So if you're not on the Guild, head on over to the Guild in maybe half an hour or an hour's time or something um, and, and check the Guild and join in on the question. So for me, a couple of things came to mind. First of all, Cloudspire. Cloudspire is a one to four player game but I think shines best at two-player. And the two-player version of Cloudspire is complex and intellectual sparring. It is extremely tactical. Very, very tactical is Cloudspire. So I, I, I picked Cloudspire as one of them, um, but I also picked Netrunner. Now, I, I used to be really, really into Netrunner. Back in the late 90s, I was the, uh, the UK Netrunner tournament coordinator for the whole country. Um, and I ran the national championships and everything else. And I got into the new version when it came out. But Netrunner is very much, you're saying intellectual sparring. And when you use those words, I sort of thought about the the bluffing element and the tactics of, of, of running on the different data forts and everything else. So they they were two that, that, that came to mind for me. But as I say, the question will, will be on the guild. And I appreciate it if you want to head on over to the guild, join in with the with the answers there. Right, next question from Kyle. Kyle says, we all know that a game could have a great theme and still be a terrible, terrible game. Yes, I know lots of those. However, how do I feel about a game that's got fantastic mechanisms, but a theme that I absolutely did not like or found offensive? The chances are I wouldn't even take a look at the game to know that it has great mechanisms. I mean, if somebody, say, for example, let's say Mage Knight 
wasn't themed like it was. Let's say Mage Knight had a very unsavoury theme about running a drug empire and stuff like that, you know, and it was it was distasteful. And somebody said to me, Paul, I know you're not going to like the theme of this game, but check out the check out the gameplay. And I either watched a video or I had a look at a rule book or something like that. And I ended up looking at it and thinking, oh, hang on a minute, deck building cards, play cards to do things. I mean, the reality is that this is a silly comparison that I'm making because a game like Mage Knight, I think, suits the mechanism. So I'm trying to picture a game that I like with really, really brilliant mechanisms, but with a theme that I, I don't like. Um, and yeah, the, I, I wouldn't play it. I, I, I just wouldn't play it. So that that's how I'd feel about it. It doesn't matter how mechanically solid it is. If the theme is not something that I like, I probably wouldn't play it. And the reason for that is we're living in a time where there are so many games out there. So, you know, if, if a game came out with great mechanisms but a distasteful theme, I'd say, no, thank you, and play one of the other 200 games that I love. So, yeah. Next question is from Luke. Uh, Luke Hector from The Broken Meeple. Are there any games in my collection that I am thinking of passing on? If so, what caused them to drop for me ratings-wise? Well, Luke, to answer your question, the first answer is yes, there are games in my collection that I am thinking of passing on, but it isn't because the rating dropped. Well, some of them it is, but some of them it's not. So the situation that I'm in at the moment is uh, the house is currently overflowing with games. I currently have negative free space to still get there's, there's somebody nodding in the room next to me and it's not the cats um so this the current situation is all of the rooms which i use to store games in are overflowing it's a complete mess there's games everywhere for the last three years i have been moving games into a tertiary storage which is the attic the attic is now overflowing with games i mean you can't move up there because there's games everywhere there's also some in the garage um and it, it it's just silly and the new game's coming in all the time. That's not going to stop. So unless I move on, well, there's probably about 50, 60 games that I need to get rid of right now. And on a regular basis, I need to get rid of about 20 or 30 more. Now, what I normally do with my games is I give them to charity raffles. So I don't pretty much generally sell my games or put them into secondhand bring and buys or anything like that. They go into charity raffles um, and that's where that's where they go. Now, we did do a charity raffle at GridCon 1, then there, was not, there wasn't a GridCon for another two years, and then the last GridCon we didn't do a bring and buy or charity raffle for COVID reasons. So the games have been building up. So yes, I have lots of games in my collection that I am thinking of passing on, but most of that is down to space. However, there is another thing as well, is I've, I mean, three or four years ago, I would never get rid of any game because I had the storage capacity for them, and I liked the fact that I had a big collection and that friends who came round could look at the collection and go, oh, I really fancy playing that. And even if it's not a game which I would personally enjoy myself, I think I, f I felt it was quite nice to have a copy of that game in the collection. For the library, really. And when we do GridCon as well, we take games to the GridCon library. And some of those games that we take to the library are because they are popular games that we know people will borrow them. Um, even if I'm not a, not a big fan of the game myself. But as time's gone on and space has gone down, I, I've just had to be more ruthless. So it's not a case of my rating has dropped. It's more a case of 
well, maybe I played this game a couple of times and didn't really like it anyway, so it's probably time to move it on. I mean, there are times where... I, you know, I might play a game and I might play it 15, 20 times. I mean, that's very, very rare that I would play a game that many times. I'm going to I'm gonna probably love the game. If I'm going to play it more than three or four times, I'm probably going to love it. But there are definitely a couple of games which I've played and I've played them three or four times. And after playing them that many times, I've come across either a flaw in the game. And that's controversial because some people might not see it as a flaw. But something in the game that I didn't like that's actually made me not want to play it again. Um, and I can give a couple of examples of this, and we might start a discussion group on the Slack channel tonight, because there's there's some things that I feel a little uncomfortable about saying in a live Q&A, but I'm happy to talk about on the Slack channel. So somebody pinged me tonight on the Slack channel, remind me to tell you about these couple of games which have been covered on the channel, which my opinion on them has changed over a few games. Right, next question from Angus. Uh, Angus says that he thinks, he thinks I might have mentioned this in a previous Q&A or some other videos, but he doesn't know whether I've been asked this formally, and it's, why did I stop doing board game review videos? Uh, he used to enjoy the v review videos in the time. Now, I haven't done a review video for a long time. I can't remember the last review that I did, uh, and I can't remember how long ago it was. It might be two years ago since I last did a review, but there was definitely a reason why I stopped doing them. And I remember at the time I did discuss it with Patreon supporters and I said, look, here's the current situation with me and these reviews. And it was all discussed and basically there was a unanimous agreement that they were happy that I stopped the reviews. Now, I know board game review videos do get more views than, than playthrough videos. Um, but the reason I stopped doing them is for me to create a review video I ended. I, I felt that I needed to play the game three or four times at, sorry, at multiple player counts, and then I would actually spend. It took me a whole day to film a review video. Now, some content creators can get away with literally just pointing the camera at them, pressing record, and talking, um, and just recording them talking for ten minutes, and then they put the video and it's done. Right. My review videos, I didn't do that. My review videos contained uh, still images. I'd get the game out. I'd set it up. I'd talk about it. I'd do all of that. You know, it, it took me quite a long time, maybe not a full day, but certainly five or six hours to create a review video. But when I started doing more and more playthroughs, I felt that having to play a game multiple times at different play accounts within a month it actually added to the, the overall stress levels and my overall workload. So what I used to do is, at the start of the month, I'd say to my Patreon supporters, here's a list of games, here's four games, maybe four, four or five games. Which of these games do you want me to do a review on? And then that, we'd pick a game, and then I would go, right, I now need to play that game three or four times, and, every, and it just became, it became too much work. So I stopped doing them. Now, that doesn't mean I don't give my opinions on games. I do give my opinions on games, but I give them in my monthly video logs. So every month I do a video log where I talk about all of the games that I've played and I pretty much give my opinions of the games in that in that video log. Also, if the game was not sponsored, if, if it was a playthrough that wasn't sponsored, we have normally a round the table discussion at the end of the video where we do a review. Um, and I, I used to label those videos as playthroughs and reviews thinking that, well, that, that might get some more reviews because there are some other channels who get a lot of views on their videos because they do playthrough with a review at the end. 
So I started doing that uh, and it, it didn't change anything. So I, I've kind of stopped advertising them as that. But yeah, that, that's why I stopped doing them. I have considered a couple of times, um, and I always say this, when my workload settles down, maybe I'll go back to the old quick and dirty reviews where I literally just point the camera at me, I talk to you for five minutes, I give my opinion on the game, I might include one still image of the game, but that's it, and it will be a very quick and dirty review, um, maybe, I don't know, but I, I like to produce content that my Patreon supporters want to see, uh, and nobody's mentioned that they missed the review videos. So we can start this discussion with the Patreon supporters at some point in future as to would you like me to return to doing review videos? And I know everybody's default answer is probably yes, but you've got to bear in mind the amount of time that it might take to do them. Um, so yeah, may, maybe the quick and dirty reviews is one thing, but I would have to I would have to make it clear at the start of the review that, oh, this is a review based on my plays so far right rather than me putting the extra pressure on myself to oh i now must play the game solo i now must play the game at five players i now must play the game at three players uh, and all of this lot so yeah there we go hopefully i've answered that thank you for the question next question from neil neil got into the hobby at the start of 2020 so has never been to a convention what a year to get into the hobby eh, neil um what do i enjoy about conventions and would i recommend them now i've been going to board game conventions for 35 years, right? I, I, maybe not 35 years. How old am I? <laughs> yeah, about 35 years. I remember going to Manacon and Midcon uh, in the 80s. Um, obviously, I've been going to Essen for like 22 years. I've been going to UK Games Expo since it started. That's been 14 years. So I love going to conventions. But conventions are expensive. Okay, conventions, you have to travel there. So you've got travel costs, and especially if you're going to uh, somewhere abroad, you've got flights and everything else. You've got hotels, you've got entry to the convention itself, which tends to be relatively cheap. Uh, then you've got all of your food costs and everything else while you're at. So going to a convention, um, it, it, it's not a cheap thing to do. It, it, is, it can be quite expensive. Now, you can get some subsidi subsidy on that if you uh, agree to work for a publisher, but let, let's forget that. Let's just pretend... Uh, that you're going to a convention as a punter, uh, it, it can be expensive. Do I recommend them? I do, because I enjoy going to them. I enjoy going to them. I enjoy meeting up with friends that I only see at conventions. Um, I enjoy seeing some of the new stuff. And certainly Essen, it's all about the buzz. Now, there are a number of content creator friends that I've, I know and that I'm friends with that didn't go to Essen last year and didn't go to Essen the year before. And to be honest... They were a, They got sent all of the new hot titles from publishers and they stayed at home and they played them. I went to Essen, so I had the expense of flights, accommodation and everything else. And then I had the hassle of bringing all those new games back with me. Part of me thinks I could have saved a thousand pound if I hadn't have gone there and I'd have just stayed at home. And I still would have been sent the games and I still would have covered them on the channel and I wouldn't have had all that hassle of traveling or anything else and staying somewhere else. So it is something that you need to weigh up. Conventions are not for everybody, but I would definitely recommend going to one and seeing how you feel about it. Um, I'm curious, is anybody watching this in the chat who does not enjoy going to conventions? If you are one of those people and you're watching this live, let me know in the chat. Or if you're watching this back afterwards, please leave me a comment on the video. 
do you actively not go to conventions because you don't enjoy them or they're not worth the expense? Because most people I know do tend to go to conventions. Uh, following up, are there any decent conventions in London or the South East? So, Neil, there's three that I can mention. The first one is LobsterCon, which is in Eastbourne. Uh, go onto the website, just Google it, LobsterCon. Um, friend of mine runs that. Uh, also, SORCON, S-O-R-C-O-N. Friends of mine run that as well. That's in Basildon. So there's two for you. Uh, and the other one to mention that is in London itself is Dragon Meat. Now, Dragon Meat is a one-day convention. Uh, it's in Hammersmith, and it is 50% RPGs and 50% board games. Whereas the, and, it, and it is an exhibition. So the, the, first, the first two that I've mentioned, LobsterCon and SORCON, they are basically a hotel with people playing games. That's basically it. Dragon Meat, there is an exhibitor's room uh, and there's lots of events going on and things like that. So it's a very, very different feel. But I would recommend certainly going to one of them. Uh, and if, if you go to one that I'm at, then great. Let me know. Um, yeah. Right. Next question from Phil. How often do I start to put a game away and then find a cat in the box lid? <laughs> Not very often, actually. Uh, Thor's the only one who likes box lids. Um, Loki doesn't really like box lids, does he? No, it's, it's mainly Thor. Um, but no, not, not, not very often. Um, and next question from Phil. Did we finish watching Breaking Bad? Yes, we did finish watching Breaking Bad. What did we think of it? Well, before watching Breaking Bad, we've both been told numerous times by multiple people it is one of the best TV shows ever. After watching it, my personal opinion is that it's one of the best TV shows ever. I think it's just brilliant. Everything about it, the story, the acting, just the way that it all was put together, the character development over the series was just brilliant. Yes, Vicky, said, Vicky thinks the same. Um, now, according to Phil, he says that the youngsters have started watching season five, so, he, so they've not finished it yet, uh, and he doesn't want any spoilers. Yes, yeah, so the, 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 there was that bit. Um, right, next question from Brendan. Um, is there going to be another virtual grid con at some point this year? Uh, and can we teach me a coin game if and when it happens? So here's my plan, Brendan. And I don't know whether I've actually told anybody this other than Vicky. But my birthday is at the start of July. And I'm thinking of doing something which will either be a games weekend for a few friends, or it might be another virtual convention, or it might be a patron-only virtual convention. I'm not sure yet. So there are currently no, no fixed plans for virtual GridCon, uh, just because, as you know, I've been struggling with uh, workload and being overwhelmed by everything at the moment, and I don't want to make another thing that I end up having to spend a lot of time organising. But I'm thinking, potentially the first weekend in July, as another virtual GridCon. Um, watch this space for more information on that. As for whether you can teach me a coin game if and when it happens, as far as the coin game goes, I still want to do what we discussed in the last Q&A, was it? Wow, it was the last Q&A. So the idea for me covering a coin game on the channel is that four of my Patreon supporters learn a coin game and then I host a game where they're playing it and they kind of teach me how to play it, but I'm not playing in the game itself. 
I think that's probably the best plan for me because I don't have the time at the moment for the learning curve required to learn a coin game to the level that I would be comfortable with it. But enough of my supporters like these games. So I think the plan is four people get together, learn it, play it, and then we actually cover it on the channel, but I'm not playing in the game. That's the plan. Uh, next question is for Mindy, who says, for a completely non-game related question, how old are Thor and Loki and are they brothers? They are three, two, four, are they? We got them when they were one. Were they just one year old when we got them? Yeah, so we got them when they were one year old. Uh, they are brothers, but we assume they have a different father just because their physical build is very different. Loki is like quite small and petite and, and thin and sleek and Thor's big and powerful. Although Loki's, Loki's more of an average size cat now than he was. He's, he's not that small. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, they're completely different personality wise. Obviously one's black, the other one's ginger. But they have such different physical builds, we just assumed a different father. Um, you've got two cats who aren't siblings and found them to not get on quite as well as the siblings that you had prior. Um, I th they get on, but it's normally that time of night where one of them gets a bit crazy and wants to play. And sometimes they fight. Sometimes they play fight and it's really nice. And sometimes they take their play fighting a little bit too much. Um, but they don't interact with each other much because Thor's out most of the time and Loki's asleep. Uh, and Loki's the one that does make the appearances in the playthroughs, yes. Right, next question from Roger. We've got... This is the last question that I've been asked in advance. And then we're going to have a short break and we're going to talk about the, uh, the guild and the giveaway and everything else. So, question from Roger. Have I ever played a game that I really like enough times to say, I don't really need or want to play that anymore. And it, it is, in, so this is a really odd question. Have I ever played a game that I really like, but I've played it enough times to say that I don't really need or want to play it anymore? I don't think so. You're saying yes. Can you write it down, which one you can think of? A game that I really like that I've decided I don't I don't need to play that game anymore. Because at the moment, and I say at the moment, there, if I think back to all of the live playthroughs that I've done in the last year, there has been so many of them where I've gone, I could play my I could play this game a hundred times and never get bored of it. There are certain games which I really, really like, and I don't think I'd ever get bored of playing them. And that's that is what makes your question interesting, Roger, is that you've specifically said, have you ever played a game that I really like that I would say I'm done with it now? Because uh, I'm thinking Too Many Bones, I'm thinking Cloud Spire, I'm thinking Maracaibo, I'm thinking Mage Knight, I'm thinking Batman Gotham City Chronicles, I'm thinking Marvel Champions, Arkham Horror. All of those I would play continually if I could, if I had the time. None of those I would say, right, I'm done with it now, I've played it enough. Um, so yeah, most of the time it's like, oh, that was brilliant. I want to play it straight again. I want to play it straight away. Vicky's not, no, can't think. Okay. If anybody in the chat knows of a game, which I really like, which I've said, that's it. I'm done with it now. I don't want to play it anymore. Let me know. Um, yeah. 
Would I still say the same if there weren't new and interesting games being produced all the time? So, follow-up question, even though I didn't really answer the first one, is would, would that stay the same if there weren't new games coming out all the time? My feelings on whether I want to play a game or not is purely based on how much I enjoyed that game. The fact that there's 20 or 30 new great games coming out every year, or more, but you know, 20 or 30 games coming out every year that I would go, oh wow, great game, I want to play that. That doesn't change my opinion of wanting to play the older game again. It changes the reality of whether I have time to play it again or not. Like like Too Many Bones and Cloud Spire. Like I've mentioned those games three times. I, you know, I should, we should have a, a ticker for Chip Theory Games to pay me every time I mention one of their games. I'd be, I'd be rich. Um, but yeah, if we take Too Many Bones and we take Cloud Spire and we take Burn Cycle, which has just come out, the fact that every time I play them, I want to play it again straight away, I have that opinion of that game. It doesn't matter that, oh, well, I would want to play it again straight away, but actually there's a new title just around the corner. No, it doesn't change my thoughts on it. So there we go. That is the end of the live question. Uh, sorry, that is the end of the questions that I've been asked in advance. So a quick reminder, the Guild is on Board Game Geek, Guild number 2258. If you're not a member of the Guild, please go along and join the Guild. Also, if you are a member of the Guild, please feel free to use the Guild. If you have a question, not for me, but just an open-ended question that you think, oh, what is the best two-player card game with a good mix of complexity and player interaction? Um, if you've got that as a question, feel free to ask it on the Guild and you will get the, you will get the answers of, of other people. So yeah, quick break now, just to say that uh, Games Law uh, support this show by giving me £25 worth of games vouchers each month, and then I add to that with £25 uh, of my own money to make it up to £50 worth of game vouchers. So um, nobody sponsors this podcast. This isn't paid for. Um, I don't get any money for doing this podcast. It's only made possible thanks to the support of the Patreon campaign. So if you are watching this video and you like it, obviously give it a thumbs up. Um, but if you are in a position to be able to support me on Patreon, it's the Patreon support that makes these videos possible. And if you're listening to this as a podcast, um, the Patreon support is what makes the podcast possible as well. But Games Law do support me by giving the vouchers away. So you could win £50 worth of vouchers from Games Law. What you need to do is you need to click on the link, which is going to be appearing in the chat now, but it's also going to be in the description of the video. Uh, if you could put it in the description of the video, you can do it or Chrissy can do it, whatever. Um, and all you need to do is click on that link, put in your name, put in your details, let me know whether you're a patron, patron supporter or not, and put the secret word. And the secret word for today, I think he's going to be Weather Machine, because some of you may have noticed that Weather Machine is currently on the table because I'm in the middle of filming the video for it, uh, which is what I'm doing this week. So yeah, click on the link, go to the Google form, put in your details uh, and put Weather Machine. To give you an idea of how many people entered the contest, last month 92 people entered the contest. So these, these live Q&As normally get about um, 1,000 views, maybe 1,200 views but only 10% of people enter the contest. So, yeah, you've got to be in it to win it. If you want to win £50 worth of games vouchers, please enter the contest. Right, so now we're going to move on to the live questions. So these are all of the questions that I've been being asked while we've been live, and I'm going to go through these in order. Uh, and we're going to probably close the questions at about 20 past 6, and then we're going to wrap things up at about 6.30, uh, and then we're going to go and uh, eat dinner. Right, first question is for Mark. 
do you need the Castles of Burgundy remake? You need my help here. So, Castles of Burgundy is one of my favourite games of all time. I love Castles of Burgundy. I've played it since it came out. I think it's a fantastic game. It's not my favourite Steffenfeld game, but it, it is a very, very good game. I was surprised, as many, to find out that Awaken Realms, of all people, were doing a new version of it, because Awaken Realms do great games, but they do games with, uh, you know, lots of miniatures and story and narrative and lots of stuff like that. And Castles of Burgundy is the driest, most boring, themeless Euro game that there ever is. Brilliant game, but, you know. And Awaken Realms have got a new version, and I went live on crowdfunding this week. As for whether you need it or not, I can't answer that question, I'm afraid. Um, I actually contacted Awaken Realms and told them how much I was a fan of the game, and asked if there was any possibility that I could do some preview videos for this new version of the game. I nev never heard back, which was, which was a shame, because I would have... I would have loved to have uh, been a part of it. Because as I say, I, I do love the game. Um, yeah. James is asking, which game's box cover art do I think is the worst at conveying the game? Right. That is a very good question, James. And I would ask you to ask that question on the Guild. Because I have my own thoughts on that. Or I will have my own thoughts on that. But I would need to look through my collection. Straight away, I know that I can answer that question, but not right now. So, James, please go on to the BGG Guild and ask that question. Which game's box cover art is the worst at conveying what the game is all about? And also, which do I think is the best? Um, I'm just looking through my collection now. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some. But yeah, box cover art, that's a really interesting question. Nobody's asked that before. I mean, we're not talking about what's the best cover art and what's the worst cover art. We're talking about which cover art best conveys what that theme is, what that game is about, and which cover art is is the worst. So, for example, Abyss. Now, I don't own Abyss, but I think that the box cover art for Abyss does not convey at all what's going on in the game. It's just a picture of something, some creature, and that's it. It's very artistic and very minimalistic but i don't think it conveys it so yeah very good question james but pop on over to that um pop on over to the guild and ask the question there and then we can get a whole host of replies and i will have a think myself and i will try to put some uh put some things in there uh next question from uh from Weijen. if that's how you pronounce your name apologies if, if i'm wrong uh how does one get into rulebook writing that's a very very good question and i used to get asked this a lot so much so that I have actually written an article on the Paul Grogan Gaming Rules FAQ of how do you how did I get into rulebook writing? Um, I'll post I'll I'll post a link to Slack later on, or if anybody wants to just Google it, if you Google Paul Grogan Gaming Rules FAQ, you will probably find that there is a geek list that I've created. It doesn't have many questions in there, but one of those questions is how did you get into rulebook writing? Um, and I can tell you the short answer now, but I go into a lot more detail. I kind of, I kind of fell into it. Um, it wasn't a deliberate thing, but because board games has always been my passion and my hobby, when I started going to Essen, um, I started. It was around, it was around two thousand and five, two thousand and six, I think, maybe a little later. 
I felt that I had, I, basically, I was so passionate about these games and some companies, Watch Your Game and Check Games Edition, were making these amazing games and I was a super fanboy and I was, I was just basically saying, look, if there's anything I can do to help, then I'm more than happy to help. You know, I've, I've, I don't want paying for it. I'm doing it because I'm a fan and I want to be involved. And that took years and years and years. You know, anybody who thinks, oh, I want to get into rulebook. I want to be able to do what Paul does. I want to become a rulebook writer or I want to start, you know, doing published videos or, or sponsored videos or anything like that. I'll just go and buy a video camera and then that's it. No, I had literally years and years of getting to know these publishers, getting to know the industry and doing so much volunteer work for them, demoing at conventions and everything else because I was passionate about it, that when I decided that I wanted to start making it a career, I already had years of, you know, people was like, oh yeah, Paul, we know Paul, Paul's done this and this and this. Um, so yeah, it's it's not something that you can easily get into. Uh, Rick wants to know, when can we play Marvel Champions again? Or can we play Marvel Champions again? Yes. When? I don't know. Um, Genway wants to know what game is on my table. I've answered that. It's Weather Machine. <laughs> there you go. Well, well spotted. Um, Keith wants to know of the new game of the new games that I've played recently. Is there one that stands out for me? Yes, Keith. That is the easiest question that I have been asked today. Carnegie is at the moment my game of the year, um, and at the moment Carnegie is so good it is better for me than any game that came out in two thousand and twenty-one. And on Sunday, just gone, I played Carnegie and I played Bitoku back to back. And Bitoku is my favourite game of last year and Carnegie was better than Bitoku. Now, I love Bitoku. I think Bitoku is brilliant, but I think Carnegie is better. Um, and without going into the finer details of why it's better, I think mechanically Carnegie is, is it, just, it just tips it. But both games are brilliant. Both games I absolutely love. But yeah, Carnegie is the game that absolutely stood out for me. So if you are one of my supporters who said to me, oh, Paul, Carnegie is your kind of game. You're definitely going to love it. And I'm, I'm, and I'm thinking specifically of Def um, from the board game barbecue podcast in Australia. But other people said it to me as well. You were absolutely spot on correct. Um, absolutely love it. So yes. Um, Jim wants to know, am I still enjoying Dead Reckoning after some time and repeat plays? Dead Reckoning, I've not played it enough. So Dead Reckoning, I've only played... The only times I've played Dead Reckoning are the times that you've seen me play it on the channel. So I did the multiplayer playthrough, and I did the practice multiplayer playthrough, and I did the solo playthrough. Other than that, I've not played Dead Reckoning. So Dead Reckoning is still for me in that I haven't explored this game enough. Yes, I'm still enjoying it, but there is still stuff for me that I haven't got to yet. The base game, I still need to, I need, to, I still want to play the base game a couple of times because there's the whole buildings thing. I've never really done the buildings, so I don't really know how the rules for buildings work, and I've never really built them or used them. So I want to kind of see that side of the game. But there's also all of the saga expansion stuff that I haven't even touched yet. So yeah, still enjoying it, not played it anywhere near enough. Uh, Monica wants to know, would I, would I, or have I ever rewatched any of my old videos for learning purposes? as a live streamer. No. Um, so even like, for example, when I recently, last month, I think it was last month, I did a bonfire 
I did a solo playthrough of Bonfire. Now, I did the official how to play video for Bonfire about two years ago. I think it was two years ago. So when it came to the point where I was about to cover the solo game with the expansion and I was like, I don't remember how to play Bonfire. I did not go back and watch my how to play video. There's two reasons for that. The first one is, ironically enough, even though a big part of my hobby, uh, not hobby, a big part of my work and what I did when Gaming Rules first started, even before I did rulebook work, when Gaming Rules was created as a company, the whole idea of the company was to create instructional videos. The rulebook thing actually came afterwards. But ironically enough, I cannot learn games from watching how to play videos. I just can't do it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just not a medium which I find good for learning games. And the second thing is I can't really watch myself. It's just painful. So, no, I don't. It's hard enough listening to myself when I'm editing a video, but actually sitting there and watching myself? Nah, can't, can't do that. Um, Rob has got a question. Is there a rule or mechanism from Batman that you wanted to modify that wasn't allowed? That is a really good question, Rob. So, I will be honest with you here. Um, there is only one rule in the Batman Gotham City Chronicles game that I wanted them to change and they agreed to change it. And that is about explosions. And to be honest, the rule hasn't actually changed, technically. The rule hasn't changed. But here's how the old rules for explosions used to work. Explosions, here he is. Come here, Loki. The, the rule for explosions in the original version, in the original rulebook for Batman Gotham City Chronicles is, when an explosion goes off in an area, it increases the level of dangerous terrain by X, where X is equal to the level of the explosion. Okay? Right. So you've got that. So if, if I'm in an area, and that area has no dangerous terrain in it, but then a level 3 explosion happens, then what happens is the, dangerous, the level of dangerous terrain in my area goes from 0 to 3. And then it says, and after resolving the effect of that, the level of dangerous terrain in the area drops back down to the original level. Okay, so basically there's a level 3 explosion in an area. What does that do? Well, it increases the dangerous terrain level by 3. So if it was 0, it goes up to 3, and then it drops back down to 0. Okay, and then you flip through the rulebook and you find the rules on dangerous terrain. And it says, if the level of dangerous terrain in your area ever increases, you roll yellow dice, one yellow dice for each level of increase. Okay, so basically what's happened is an explosion's gone off. Uh, it's increased the level of dangerous terrain from zero to three. Because the level of dangerous terrain has gone up, we roll three yellow dice, and then the level of dangerous terrain goes back down to zero. And what I said is, wouldn't it be clearer to just say, if an explosion goes off in an area, roll one yellow dice for each level of the explosion. Done. And, and then take wounds. And they went, yeah, that's kind of what the intention was. So that is that is the, the technically, as I said, it's exactly the same effect, but I got them to change the way that that rules work. That's it. That's the only rules change which I asked them to make, and they made it. Um, oh, no, there was one. Well, it's not a rule change, but I changed Canary's cry to scream because it, 
and and since watching Arrow and since reading some DC comics, I'm I'm not 100% sure about it, but the fact that there was a special ability called Cry, it sounded odd. So we changed it to Scream. Uh, and most people we've asked have, have said, oh yeah, that makes more sense. But I know it is supposed to be the Canary Cry. It depends. I, I, I spent a lot of time Googling it and looking into it. And some people call it the Canary Cry. Some people call it the Canary Scream. So I changed it to Scream. Um, but other than that, no, there, there wasn't any other rules, changes or suggestions that I had for them. Because my job was not to change the rules of the game. My job was to make the rules of the game uh, so that they were understandable and that they were clear. Uh, would there be any rules of the game that I would change if I was redesigning the game? Yes, there probably would be. But that's that's another that's another story. Uh, Genway wants to know, will I be at Gen Con this summer? Unfortunately not. Um, I won't, I've currently got no plans to attend any um, conventions in the US. My role at CGE has changed. And in the past, I've been to Gen Con three times. I've been to Origins three times. I've been to uh, BGG in November two or three times. Brilliant times. But the only way that I was able to go was because it was financially backed by CGE. I, I worked for them full time. So they paid for me to, to travel there. They paid for my time when I was there and they paid for my accommodation. If I was to go to Gen Con just as, a, as, a, a, just as me, it would cost me thousands of pounds. Uh, and a week and, and like 10 days off work because I'd have massive jet lag and everything else. And I just can't. I can't afford that time and the expense of going there. Um, yeah, if, if, if I was just going myself. The only reason that I'm going to be able to go to Gen Con, the only thing that's going to make it viable is if a publisher was interested in asking me to do demos for them. Um, however, Gen Con this year, um, there was one publisher that, that where I might have been able to go, but we're going on holiday. So I'm having my first holiday in eight years uh, and I'm having it this year, and it's at the same time as Gen Con. Uh, next year, I can't go to Gen Con even if I wanted to, because there's a wedding that I need to go to. Um, and it, it's a wedding that I probably should go to. I probably can't get out of it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm getting married um, at the time of Gen Con next year. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that. 2024 though, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Um, next question from Gemway. Do I have any stretches of times where I'm just not wanting to play any games at all? That has never happened in my entire life, and I hope it never does. Uh, I mean, like all of us, we all have ups and downs in our lives, and there are there are certain times where I'm not in the mood for doing anything because I'm in a bad mood, or I'm just a bit depressed, or something like that. But I have never been through a phase where I'm just like, I tell you what, I'm a bit off games at the moment. I'm like, that's never going to happen. Never going to happen. I'm so passionate about them and playing them uh, makes me very happy um, that, yeah, I'm always going to want to play games. Next question from Miguel. Uh, what do I think about Spirit Island? Very good question. Very easy answer. Spirit Island is my number one cooperative game of all time. Um, I think it's brilliant. I think it is an absolute masterpiece of a game. Um, it is a complex game, and I think that I only ever want to play it at two and three players. I don't ever want to play it at four players because it's just too many, too many interlocking things going on. But I think it's an amazing game. It's a brilliant game, and it's my number one cooperative game of all time. 
So yeah, that's what I think about Spirit Island. And I've done a review. I've I've done a review on it. So if, if you want to see, if you want to hear me talk about it in more details, I think I did a review of Spirit Island. Uh, next next question from Compi. When am I able to play a game? F- Sorry. When you are able to play a game for work versus pleasure, is there a different level of enjoyment? Yes and no. And it depends on the game. It really does depend on the game. So there are some games which I have covered on the channel in the last however long, right? Which were sponsored playthroughs where the publisher asks me to create a video for them in order for them to help market the game and therefore sell more copies. And I'm not the only person who does that. There's lots of people that do sponsored playthrough videos. Um, and some of them, as I, as I hinted out earlier on, some of them I didn't quite enjoy that much and I would probably not play those games again. There are other times where I've done a sponsored playthrough and the game has been amazing absolutely amazing um and because it was a sponsored playthrough i don't feel comfortable even if i play a game let's say for example that i do a sponsored playthrough of a game on the channel and i think it's the best game i've played all year other content creators will say that and other content creators are comfortable with saying this is the best game i've played all year you should go and buy it now if that was a sponsored video, I personally, from a moral point of view, I have issues with that. So I feel really uncomfortable about it. And the only reason I feel uncomfortable about it is not because I'm trying to hide the truth. Because the truth is, I think the game was fantastic and it's my favourite game of the year. But I don't want anybody watching that video to think, wait a minute, Paul's just said this is the best game of the year and everybody should go out and buy it. And this was a sponsored video. Paul's a shill. You know, Paul's Paul. Yeah, I'm not. I. It's just yeah. So I feel uncomfortable about it. But um, going back to the original question, when I'm able to play a game for work versus pleasure, is there a different level of? And I've realised I've just answered a completely different question. So the answer is no. The answer is that if I'm playing a game, then my enjoyment of that game doesn't change whether it was for work or whether it was for pleasure. Now, if I'm doing a game and it's for work, there is an added level of stress because whether it's a live stream or it's an edited video or anything else, and if we take Saturday, for example, Saturday is a perfect example. Paul and Peter came round on Saturday and we filmed the Batman Gotham City Chronicles video. That was a sponsored video for the Kickstarter, which is now live. While we were filming that video, I was nervous the whole time because this was going to this was a sponsored video. I was being paid to create the video and this video was going to be important and this video had to be good and it had to be right. And therefore, there is an added level of pressure. Okay? Let's skip forward to what's going on this Saturday. And not many people know this yet because I haven't actually told anybody, but this Saturday evening, Rick's coming over and we're going to be playing Batman Gotham City Chronicles. And that is not going to be a sponsored video. We're playing it because I want to play it. So we'll be live streaming it. So if you're, in, if you, if you're around on Saturday evening at 8 o'clock, uh, there'll be a live stream of Batman Gotham City Chronicles. Me and Rick are going to be playing it. And possibly somebody else if they can make it as well. And that's not going to be sponsored. So although I've still got the pressure of 
filming it and switching the camera angles and making sure I get the rules right, the fact that I'm not getting paid to make the video actually takes quite a bit of weight off my mind. Um, and in that respect, maybe I will be able to enjoy it a little bit more, but not much. Not much. My enjoyment of the game comes from the game itself. Right, Johan says, will Mr. Grogan, that's me, create a solo play session of Boone Lake for us to watch in the near future with a crossed fingers emoji? Um, so there are two games um, which I want to cover the solo modes of in the near future. Um, and that is Boone Lake and Carnegie. So Boone Lake and Carnegie are the next two games that I would like to do a solo playthrough of. Now, as part of the Patreon campaign, every month I put a list of games up for my Patreon supporters and I say, which of these games do you want me to do solo playthroughs of? And after all of the problems with COVID and the impact that that had on me, I think I announced in my last video log that I wasn't going to do that this month. So I did a solo playthrough. I did Super Skill Pinball last week, but I haven't actually done a Patreon vote this month on which game to do a solo playthrough of. And I feel a little bit bad about that because it is kind of a promise of the Patreon campaign that you vote on what game you want me to cover. But I, I had to do it this month just while I just while I caught up on, on where I was up to. Um, and if things go well next week, I might actually do a solo playthrough next week. Uh, before I go to UK Games Expo. I'm still working out a few things, but at the moment there is no coverage of any games planned on the channel for next week because I'm going to UK Games Expo on Thursday. Um, so I do want to do some coverage next week and if I can get my workload under control, then either Boone Lake or Carnegie. Probably Carnegie. Um, yeah, but no, def definitely want to do a solo playthrough for Boone Lake because I really enjoy Boone Lake and I want to try out the solo mode. Uh, next question from Monica. Has a rulebook or a game in total ever defeated me? So you have chosen not to try out the game. Yes, that has happened. Um, and I think it's been asked. I think this is a question that I've been asked before. I am going to answer it again, but I have a memory of being asked this question a few years ago. There's actually been a few. So let me try and remember them now. The first one, speaking of Batman Gotham City Chronicles, is Conan. So Conan is Monolith's first game and I have a copy of Conan and the original rulebook that came with Conan um, is awful. It, it, it is a terrible rulebook, the original rulebook that came with Conan. Now Monolith to their credit, they hired somebody, not me, to rewrite the entire rulebook and then they reprinted totally new rulebooks and they sent it to every backer for free. Because the rulebook for Conan, the original Conan was so bad, um, that's what they did. Now, I know there are some people who say, oh, it wasn't that bad. You were able to work out how to play. No, 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 no. You weren't able to work out how to play. The only people who were able to work out how to play Conan from the original rulebooks were the people who already knew how to play it because they'd been watching all of the videos. Okay? Um, me and two friends, when Conan arrived sat downstairs, and I, I can picture this, I can still picture it, we sat downstairs with the game, we got the rule books out, and we tried to play the game from the rule book, and we played a couple of rounds, and we gave up, we actually stopped playing, because we didn't even know if we were playing it right or not, the rules, the rule book there was so unclear, and there were things in it that were wrong, 
and there was one skill that I had which wasn't even explained anywhere and there were cards and we didn't even know what to do with these cards. Literally, it was one of the worst rule books that I've ever read. It did not teach us how to play the game. So we packed the game away and, and we got rid of it. That was one. Uh, there was another game where I actually did um, I did a live playthrough of me with the digital version um, and and this this is not I didn't actually read the physical rulebook of the game until afterwards but this is Labyrinth War on Terror now Labyrinth War on Terror is very similar to Twilight Struggle but set in the Afghanistan War and not the Afghanistan War is it the Afghanistan War yes yeah, the Afghanistan War I think and I quite like Twilight Struggle and I, I wanted to like this game. So I tried the digital version and I remember doing a live video and it's on the channel. It's, it's like years ago now, but it's on the channel of me trying to play Labyrinth War on Terror using the digital version. And oh, it was one of my worst experiences of doing a live video because I just wasn't getting it. I, everything I was like, oh, and here's another pop-up tutorial. Okay, right now. And I just did not get it. I then went away and I downloaded the PDF of the rulebook and I tried reading the rulebook and I just couldn't. I just could not get it. It Yeah, it was just, yeah. So that, that was another one. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's been a couple actually. But yeah, there, there's a couple of them for you. I am interested. Are there any, and this, is, this is, might be another good question for the guild as well. Yeah, Monica, if you don't mind, head on over to the guild and pop this question on there because I am interested to see what if 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 other people have a similar thing and i think matt on the slack channel last week or maybe earlier this week said that he's just got rid of dungeon universalis for the same reason i think he wasn't able to learn the game because the learning curve was too high i might be wrong matt but i think you said something like that so if you're watching this video on youtube and you've got a comment let me know leave it in the comments but also monica if you don't mind heading over to the guild and asking that question on the guild i would be interested to see if other people have any examples of that next question from peter how many games do i play on average per week oh well i tell you what peter what i will do for you right now is i'm gonna head on over to bgg right so here's bgg i am gonna do a list of all games played this year right so from the 1st of January 2022 and how do I add this up um, right I've got a series of numbers <laughs> I'm gonna now quickly pop these into a spreadsheet and I'll get back to you with what it's probably three or four Okay, I've done that, I've done that, and I've copied that, and I've put that there. And then what I'm going to do is total number of games that I've played this year. And I've not, there's about four or five that I haven't added on there. So it's approximately 150. Approximately 150 games this year. We are five months in. That means it's 30 per month. That means it's one a day. That seems high. But the stats don't lie. So according to my list of logged games on BGG, I play on average one game a day. That surprises me. I would have thought it would be about four a week at the most. But anyway, there we go. I've answered the question. Um, 
Jenway says, do I plan to do any how to play videos in the near future? Yes, I've got this one. In fact, if you want, do you want a sneak preview of the how to play videos that I've got booked in? This is just for you, Jenway. Everybody else switch off now. Uh, this is a private, private thing just for Jenway. I can tell you all of the how to play videos that I have booked in for the next few months. I have Weather Machine, uh, which I'm working on right now. Uh, I have a little game. Uh, it didn't do very well on Kickstarter, and I don't think anybody's heard about this game. It's, it's, it's a small game from a um, not a very well-known designer. Uh, Frost Haven? Yeah, Frost Haven. So I'm, I'm yeah. I, I don't know if it'll be popular or not, but I'm going to be doing a how-to-play video for Frost Haven. I'm going to start that as soon as it arrives. It hasn't arrived yet. It was going to arrive last April, uh, so it's a year overdue, but I'm doing a how-to-play video for Frost Haven. Um, I will also be producing some videos for Endless Winter. Now, they're not going to be specifically how to play videos because I've agreed with the publisher that we want to cover not just the base game, but we want to cover all of the expansions. So there will be a video on the base game. There will be a video on the Rivers and Rafts expansion. There'll be a video on the Cave Paintings expansion. And there'll be a video on, I think there's another expansion that I've forgotten about. Uh, there might be another one. Um, but because how to play videos take me a long time to create, the agreement that I've made with them is that I will do videos for the base game and all of the expansions, but they will be tutorial and playthrough videos instead. So they won't be how to play videos, but they kind of will be tutorial and playthroughs. So that's that. Um, I also have um, CGE's next game, which I can't tell you about, but I've got that booked in. I also have, and I can say this now, but Undaunted Stalingrad. I'm going to be doing some videos for Undaunted Stalingrad. Uh, that's October. I'm going to be doing the how to play video for Earth from Inside Up Games. That's booked in for December. Uh, I'm going to be doing the how to play video for Moon, which is from Sinister Fish Games. The third one in the series after Villagers, Streets and now Moon. Um, I also have February 2023. I have the how to play video for Hamburg booked in. It will be arriving way before that but I wasn't able to fit it in before that. And in March 2023, I've got the how to play video for Amsterdam. And believe it or not, in June and July of 2023, more than a year from now, I have uh, videos for Tainted Grail, the new Tainted Grail. Um, I think they want me to update and do a new how to play video for Tainted Grail um, for the new expansion. So yeah, so they're, they're all of the how to play videos that I've got booked in. Uh, that's an awful lot, but all of those games I'm looking forward to. Right, next. Uh, Ronthal says, what state is Weather Machine in? Um, Weather Machine is finished. <laughs> Weather Machine is currently about to be printed in China. Um, so yeah, it's not rough, barely playable, needs balance, but good potential, or needs some fine-tuning, but sweet already. It, it's done. Yeah, the, the, game, the game is absolutely finished. All of the files have gone off to the printer. What you see here in front of me is a final copy. Of, I say a final copy of the game. I think they might be tweaking a couple of the colours, but the game is done. The game is absolutely finished. Um, yeah. Next question from Gemway. Have a, do I plan to do Bitoku Solo? At the moment, Bitoku Solo, I'm a little nervous about it because... Uh, for those people who have watched a number of my solo playthroughs over the last few months, you will know that I struggle 
with complex AIs. And, and I've said this many, many times, and I just want to say this again. I'm not saying that complex AIs are bad. In fact, I have a lot of respect for people who can design these complex AIs. And if you want that, they are very, very good. I am personally friends with people like David Turtsey, um, John Albertson, people like that, who design very complex AIs that simulate other players. And I have great respect for them. And what they do, they do very well. Because having tried out some of their solo modes, they absolutely do try to recreate another player. But for me personally, that level of complexity, I can't handle. When I'm having to spend more brain power on working out what the AI would do than what I would do, that's when I have trouble with it and I don't enjoy the game as much. For me, and I know a lot of people will disagree with this, but for me, a, a solo game is great if... Um, hang on a minute, I'm just getting the thing up on screen. So, if we look at, for example, uh, what's the game I'm thinking of? Underwater Cities, right? The solo mode for Underwater Cities, and also maybe something like the solo mode for Feast for Odin. Yeah, for Feast for Odin and Underwater Cities, for me, they are amazing solo games. And some people, and I know some people, who will say, those games, they don't have a solo mode. The solo mode in those games is absolutely pointless and there's no point you playing it, right? For me, the solo modes in those games are perfect because I get to play the game the same way that I would play the game as if there were other people involved, just without the other people. And I get to do exactly what I normally do in a game and I concentrate on my own thing. Um, so the reason why I'm talking about that is the solo mode of Bitoku is by David Turtsey. So it's probably very good, it's probably very clever, it's probably very well designed, but I'm a little nervous that when I try playing it, I end up with a headache because I can't work out what the AI is going to do. So yes, haven't um, haven't haven't braved that yet. Now, uh, I know Ben Filler has been playing the Bitoku solo mode recently, and I need to pick Ben's brains and saying, look, is it, is it complex or, or am I going to be okay with it? We have one more question. And that's it. So, uh, yeah, no more questions now. Thank you very much for all of the questions. But this is going to be the last one. And it is probably the most important question that we've been asked. Sandals or flip-flops? Sandals for me. What about you? Sandals or flip-flops? Oh, Vicky says both. You can't say both. For me, sandals. Flip-flops have that annoying feature that they just keep flipping and flopping. Um, yeah. All right, so there is one more question. Right, that was the last question, but we've got one more question from Philip. Um, greetings from Berlin. Thank you for joining in. How is life in Berlin? So he doesn't know if this question has been asked before, but do I know when the, the Madeira expansion will come? I used to work for them. So um, I, I have been asked it before, not today. But what I can tell you is that there was I believe there was an update to the Kickstarter which there hasn't been for a long time let me just look it up I think they did a they did an update Madeira collector's edition Kickstarter so it went very very quiet for a very long time um, but there was an update 
on April 24th. So last month, they released an update. Um, and that's the only information I've got. I don't have any more information other than what was in the update from April 24th. But for anybody who thinks uh, Watch Your Game is a bunch of thieves and scam merchants that took your money and have run away with it and they're never going to print the game, that is categorically wrong. Um, and I think, I think they explain it in, in the latest update, but they just got so... There was so much criticism and so much pressure put on them. People calling them thieves, people calling them liars, somebody raising a court case, getting lawyers, think, you know, calling, you know, all of that sort of stuff, that they just went, look, there's, there's nothing we can do. Um, we, we're not prepared to take this abuse. They were getting so much abuse that they just went, if we don't have anything to share, we're not going to share it. And for those of you that have, may have missed it, things in the world have been going a little bit wrong in the last couple of years and that has had an impact on a number of different things and i'm not saying this is an excuse i'm just saying this as a as a reason uh, i haven't spoken to them personally for about a year so i i i don't have any inside knowledge of what's going on uh, but when i read that update uh, i was like okay well that that's good to know that progress is still happening um but yeah, the, inform the information there. If you're not a backer of the campaign, I did just log in and it does say that that information is only available to backers of the campaign. So if you're going to the Madeira Kickstarter page and you're not a backer, you won't be able to read the update. But if you're a backer, log in and you will get to see the update. I think they got some samples and they showed what the, what the current state of play was. Anyway, we are we are all done. So a big thank you to everybody who's joined me today. Uh, it's been good to have you here. Thank you very much for all of the questions, both in advance and during the show. As I mentioned earlier on, uh, this, this, uh, this I was going to say this podcast, it is a podcast if you're listening to it afterwards, um, but this live Q&A is, is not sponsored by anybody. Nobody pays me any money to create these, uh, and it does take quite a few hours to prepare for it and obviously do it. So thank you very much to all of my Patreon supporters for making these possible. If you like the content that I create, either this video or any of the other content that I create, then the only way I'm able to keep it going is through the Patreon campaign. And you can support me at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. What do you get if you're a Patreon supporter? Well, if you join at $3 a month or higher, you get access to the Slack channel. The Slack channel is a very much a sneak peek behind the scenes of lots of stuff that's going on. Uh, some conversations that I can't have in public and access to a number of behind the scenes videos. Uh, some of which do actually make it live eventually, but some of which uh, stay very much behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, thank you very much to everybody for joining in. And as mentioned at the start, if you're not on the BGG Guild, get on the BGG Guild. And a final shout out, the contest. Join the contest. If you haven't entered the contest yet, please enter the contest. Um, everybody that enters means that somebody else has less chance of winning, which is a good thing. No, it's not a bad thing. Um, but yeah, all you need to do is click on the link that Vicky's going to put in the chat now. The secret word was weather machine. Put in your email address. Let me know if you're a patron supporter because patron supporters uh, get double the number of tickets into, into the draw. So that's another benefit of being a patron supporter. We're all done. Is dinner nearly ready? Dinner's not ready. Oh, well, I'm really hungry. Okay, might have to be a Jaffa cake to keep us going. Um, I will be back. What day is it? Wednesday. What am I doing? Friday. Yeah, I'll be back on Friday. So I've got two videos for Friday. One of them is a Patreon-only video, but I'm going to be covering Septima on Friday afternoon. Uh, so again, Patreon supporters will get access to that video 
on Friday afternoon. And then Friday evening, I'm going to be covering a new game from Gamebrew, which is Amygdala, which is uh, Kramer and Kiesling's latest offering, uh, which is a, an abstract game, very, very colourful game. Uh, and I'm going to be covering that Friday night. And then, as mentioned earlier, Saturday night, Batman Gotham City Chronicles. We're going to be doing a playthrough which wasn't planned until earlier today, but that's going to be happening on Saturday night. Um, yeah, we're all done. Thank you very much for watching. I will try and find the right button to press on the stream deck and I will see you all next time. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.